Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, our first event of the evening is a one-ball match with a 15-minute time limit. There ain't nobody. There ain't nobody in wrestling who can make me quit. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. Tuesday. We are what wrestling's all about. New York City here. Chicago here. Jamie on my left. Linda on my right. But I'm not telling any of the girls who I'm going to give it to in Chicago until that night. Tuesday, wrestling. Tuesday returns to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, twitter.com, tweetjhood. Also on Snapchat, snapjhood, Instagram, igjhood. Glad to have you in on another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. On this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, we will hear from Court Bauer, who is the MLW CEO. Major League Wrestling is coming to Waukesha in the Milwaukee area. It is Waukesha, Wisconsin at the Expo Center on Saturday, June 1st. It's MLW Fury Road. We'll hear from Court Bauer coming up momentarily. Also, I'll give you my thoughts about what I thought of Money in the Bank the WWE pay-per-view that took place in Hartford, Connecticut. Some good and some, uh, we'll get to that coming up. But first, my conversation with Court Bauer of MLW with us on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And with us now is the CEO of MLW Wrestling. It is Court Bauer. Saturday, June 1st, it is the Waukesha Expo Center MLWTickets.com is where you can get your tickets, MLWTickets.com in suburban Milwaukee, Waukesha, which is just right outside of Chicago pretty much, and Court Bauer joins us here on ESPN and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Court, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for giving us some time. Oh, always. Good to be on with you again. Uh, Let me... uh, before we go, go into it a little bit, I want to ask you about the uh, a newly crowned National Openweight Championship will take place. Um, so it, it's coming to Waukesha. Tell us about just the configuration and coming up with the concept of the um, National o- Openweight Championship. Yeah, you know, it, it, it felt like, and I'm not a big proponent of adding too many titles but for, for our group. Um, you know, it gave us an opportunity to make more bigger matches, have a little bit more significance, but also uh, there's a lot of great talent that maybe aren't in the mix for a world title shot, either in the middleweight or heavyweight division. And this is going to be the equivalent to you know, our you know, the more conditional in the 80s and 90s version, the Intercontinental title or the United States title. That secondary belt very much kind of like, you know, that champion is right under the world champion, and it's because it's an overweight division, you can go either way, and that, that champion could conceivably knock on the door of the world title, and, and it's kind of the de facto number one contender in a lot of ways. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity just to make bigger matches and give some of our younger talent the opportunity, some of our workhorses, too, the opportunity to fight over a title on national TV, on BN Sports, uh, maybe once or twice a month. 
Also, I'm very excited that the Von Erics will be part of this show taking place in Waukesha as well. Uh, as they're going to be part of a, a six-man tag team matchup. Tom Lawler finally found someone that could be able to take on Contra. At least he hopes so. The Von Erichs and Tom Lawler against Contra. Uh, tell us uh, about uh, being able to get the Von Erichs because I've not seen them since they were in TNA. It was almost a, a one-off for them, and they just kind of went away. And then yeah. we saw them pop up on Dark Side of the Ring, the Vice special, uh, talking about the Von Erich family. Uh, what was the negotiation like to get the Von Erichs into MLW? I've been a big fan of the, the Von Erichs and uh, my mentor, Gary Hart, who was a Chicago boy mm-hmm. from way back in the day, was uh, the architect of world-class championship wrestling down in Dallas, Wild Fritz. Uh, there was a connection there, you know, a kindred spirit, maybe, of, of our time together working with Gary. So uh, we started to talk with the Von Erich uh, family, Kevin and his kids, back in January. And we just kept going back and forth and kind of just seeing where we could take this. And uh, ultimately closed the deal two weeks before uh, the Vice special aired, and that was coincidentally when we found out about it. So it wasn't like we were necessarily jumping on the bandwagon of a very, it was the most successful episode they did on uh, any of the six episodes. So it was more just a like, wow, that's a, that's a cool thing. I'm glad we're doing this, all the more reason to do it, but... Uh, I really have been fond of the boys. They've been working a lot in Hawaii. There's a few different independent groups out there. Along with Oklahoma, down into Dallas, and of course Texas, they've come back and forth, and in Israel, and of course Pro Wrestling Noah in Japan. So they've been kind of off-the-grid wrestling in a lot of places that don't really get coverage because they're, they're, they're different. You know, Hawaii wrestling, you don't really hear much about. Wrestling in Israel, unfortunately, you don't hear much about. But they've been, they've been doing their thing and developed themselves. And, and, and I think it's kind of by design so they could hone their skills but not have that pressure so they can get more confidence, get more repetition in there in the ring. And now they're ready for that big stage. And uh, we're, we're excited to have them. And you got Marshall, who's six foot four. Just all muscle, and you can do a moonsault. And then you have uh, Ross, who's a little older, was a running back for North Texas, and is more of a strategist, and he sticks with and and just built like a running back, a real jacked up guy. And he he like his father, he he fights barefoot. So uh, it's a really interesting group, and uh, I think they're gonna be fun when they team up with Tom Waller in a tornado tag match against Contra in uh, Waukesha. Uh, next Saturday. It's going to be a fun match. And there's no bigger stage and expectation than something like at that level. So uh, they're ready for it. They're excited for it. And uh, they're, they're great kids. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them write the next chapter for their, their family's long-fabled dynasty in the making. And uh, I think they represent for the Von Erichs and the fans of the Von Erichs and fans of world-class championship wrestling like a new hope in a way. Again, uh, Waukesha Expo Center on Saturday, June 1st. MLWTickets.com is where you get your tickets for MLW Fury Road. Court Bauer with us on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 and the Under the Hood podcast. Um, so is there a possibility that Von Erichs could be having more than just a one-off with MLW? Could you see them be part of the organization a little bit more often after this? I, I guarantee they signed a long-term contract with us for five years, so yeah. they better be. In fact, they'll be you'll be seeing them live in Chicago July sixth as well, and then New York July twenty fifth. So yeah, they are they are on every show moving forward. So you'll see them in tag, 
you'll see them in singles competition because like all Devon Eric's, they can they can do it in tags, six man or in singles action. So looking forward to seeing them. Also, um, for Milwaukee fans. Um, your native son's coming home. Twenty years in the business. Austin Aries, Milwaukee native, will also be on this card as well. What, what are your thoughts on Austin as um, as a performer? Because he's been around for such a long time, in and out of a lot of organizations. What does he bring to that uh, that locker room for MLW? Well, I think he brings experience. Uh, he brings a sense of independence, but also, you know, you look at a guy that's he's doing a lot of stuff internationally now. Uh, he, he, he's got a different outlook. And what I like about him, there's a reason why I put him on the first ever episode of MLW Fusion against ACH. The dude can go. He really can. Uh, and to me, I, I look for someone that like that. I, you know, I'm really excited to have a workhorse like him in our organization. And I think he kind of fits in with this bad boy's uh I guess it's called our Rise of the Renegades era. When you look at a lot of the people in our locker room, uh, Low-Key, Teddy Hart, hell, Jim Cornette, yeah. uh, Conan, uh, L.A. Park. I mean, these guys are tough dudes, and a lot of people, a lot of promoters have pulled their hair out, but we've had nothing but success, and it's, it's worked because I think there's this uh, camaraderie, a sense of, you know, like, let's shove it up everyone's butt and, and show them what's up and do it here. There's our opportunity. There's our chance to do that. And Teddy Hart and the Hart Foundation have thrived. Low-key was the most dominant world heavyweight champion we've ever had. And I think Austin Aries can have a similar uh, trajectory, but uh, it all starts in Lockershaw June 1st. Um, Adam Brooks also from Australia. Uh, what can we expect from him? Because I was reading about him on MLW.com. He seems like a very interesting find for your company. Yeah, he's someone we've been looking at for a while. Uh, he's a 27-year-old Australian, arguably the best Australian wrestler out there today. He can fly. He can do the technical thing. He just did a few shows down in Arena Mexico for CMLL. Phenomenal. Phenomenal get. And when you see him against Aries, and they've actually wrestled before in Australia, uh, I think this is going to be a real fun, high-octane match. Uh, Adam Brooks, this is his national TV debut. He has not been on TV in the U.S. This will be the big one for him. So I think he's looking to just make a big splash, make a big statement in this match. But uh, Austin Aries ain't going to let him just do his thing. So it's fun to see how that, those two tangle. Court, um, I love Mance Warner. I love him because I think that his his persona and his in-ring skill, I think, transcends just 2019. I think that we could have seen him in 1985 at Crockett. We could have saw him in yeah. the, in the early WWF, I guess, in the nineteen nineties. He could have went anywhere and to be someone that people can really relate to. And, and he showed us, by the way, <laughs> he showed us. I think it was the first time ever in wrestling that we actually saw the pay window because uh, he's been talking about trying yeah, to get I to the pay window. <laughs> and I saw the pay window. I'm like, I, I think I marked out. Like I, I finally saw what Dusty Rhodes had been talking about for you know 30 years. I saw the pay window on MLW.com. Yeah, that's something that we dropped yesterday. And uh, I think it's important everyone knows the pay window, uh, which window you want to get your money from. He broke it all down for everyone. And yeah, Vance Warner is one of those guys that uh, I, I actually discovered just through my Twitter feed. I saw some highlights of him. I said, wow, let me learn more. This guy's interesting. And I saw his promo work. I went, wow. And Jim Cornette had a similar feeling. When he saw his stuff, 
he took an instant shining to him. He saw this guy has a lot of upside potential. And we see him as a real big player on the horizon for us. You know, Bucksnore, Tennessee wrestler, you don't see too many of those these days. He's a throwback, but he can go. I mean, he had a hell of a match with L.A. Park in Chicago. And uh, he's just a great brawler. Uh, and uh, very young. He's only been in the, in the sport for about two and a half years. So if this is what he looks like now, imagine he's going to look like six months from now or a year from now. And so it's fun to see this guy now on this path and uh, getting all tangled up with promotional Dorado and having this weird uh, alliance with Sandy Callahan. Uh, he's a lot of fun and different. You know, that's the thing about MLW. I like variety. I like that we have super heavyweights like Barrington Hughes and we have guys that can go and fly as small as Coto Brazil. I was like five, two, five, three. Um, so, you know, just having that, just that, that different style, different personalities, an array of talent, there's something there for everyone, hopefully. Yes, absolutely. I, that guy is money. I don't have to tell you, but Vance Warner is just so much fun to watch. <laughs> uh, Cord, what do you what do you think of the progress of Brian Pillman Jr.? I remember you and I talking about him when he first came on the scene and, and where he is right mm-hmm. now, May of 2019. What do you think of, of where his where his um, his persona is right now in the company? He's got incredible charisma. Uh, Brian has a really high wrestling IQ. Um, the, the challenge, I think, with anyone his age, 22, 23, is managing the and being able to manage the growth and continue to be ambitious but also navigate the wars and continue to learn. Uh, there's been so many young guys I work with where they, they keep their heads straight, but then there's a the guy that could have been huge and they didn't. And so I think it's really important for Brian uh, and, and as we see him continue to thrive, that he keeps focused. And, and I think if he can, uh, he has unlimited potential. Uh, I signed it when he only had about 30 or 40 matches under his belt. So that tells you how, I mean, that's a very, very low amount of matches. But he quickly took like a fish to water to wrestling. Uh, and we, we see incredible potential in his future. And when put him with guys like David Boy Smith, Teddy Hart, uh, the experience there, uh, and Teddy being a phenomenal teacher of young talent, uh, you try to set these guys up to be as successful as possible. You surround them with great talent, great expertise, great coaching, and guys like Jim Cornette, uh, guys like Tony and myself, that can continue to uh, hone in on their skills and, and, and get them to the next level. And Brian's had a banner year. I mean, he's been with us for almost a year, and I, I think he's come very far. Jim has said a lot of great things about MLW on his podcast. You can just tell that he's having a, a great time because I, because think about where he was, Court, a guy that was just doing podcasts, ripping the business, didn't like how things were going because he just looked at it one in one way. But then I think that his horizons opened up by coming to MLW, seeing the, uh, the type of company that is being run, and I think that he's having a good time. I think he's he's enjoying the managers, he's enjoying the in-ring action, the personalities. I, I think, you know what, I think we could say Jim Cornette's happy. How about that? Yeah, well, you know, like Jim at his core, he likes his wrestling presented in a very similar way that I do, and that's you know, keeping it serious, keeping it presented through the prism of it being a sport. And you can get as outlandish and as wild once you have these ground rules in there. I mean, if you look at what Jim loves about wrestling and Memphis and Smoky Mountain wrestling, 
uh, Edmund's contribution, contributions during the Attitude Era to WWF. Uh, it was wild. It was crazy. It was outrageous. But it had to be grounded in a real world. And finishes have to matter. The wins and losses have to matter. And I think that's always been something that Jim's tried to instill, and he gets he get frustrated uh, when he's. When, you know, it's funny because every show I give a talent book to our broadcast team. It's something I picked up when I was working for uh, UFC. They would give it to their broadcast team. It's great books that are like phone books, not that they exist anymore, but uh, they'd be detailed uh, analysis, insight on each of the wrestlers for each match and kind of giving it context and giving you stats and stuff and data to, to use to push the matches, market the talent and give context. And Jim really took that talent book and just was able to just run with it like no one else and get the talent over, get our storylines over and it's like, for him, it's great because it looks like he's been tracking things forever, but also for the fan at home, you're learning so much more about the talent. And so Jim's been phenomenal for us. He's on-air talent. He, he, he does the occasional uh, agenting. Uh, he runs a pre-tape team. We have a few of them, and those, those are your, you know, the interviews, some of the angles backstage and stuff. Uh, and he's just been phenomenal. And it's to see someone that passionate, I'll always take passion over someone that just wants to check. You know, that will take passion any and every day. And I think if you look at Jim, uh, whether you agree or disagree with his, his outlook on wrestling, you can't deny the passion, and I love that. Uh, too many people in wrestling are just kind of yes-men or just shrug and go with the flow, and that doesn't help the product. It doesn't help what the fans get at, you know, bell to bell. Uh, Jim leaves it all out there, and uh, case in point, you know, he did a open session uh, promo class his first time in in Chicago. And it was, hey, if you just want to come out and just, 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 he'll drop some knowledge on promos, uh, have a seat. And it was right before pre tape started. And all of a sudden, you see that room's full. And then everyone wants to hear more from Jim. And you see this whole new generation uh, identify differently with Jim. And they all love Jim. And you see Jim. Uh, tackling backstage with MJF, which is a little unsettling, but I think, you know, wow, I think it's so invaluable for, for, for those guys to have access to someone like this. Let's not forget that Jim Cornette developed and groomed, uh, the likes of Brock Lesnar, the likes of, of John Cena, Shelton Benjamin, like Randy Orton, Dave Batista. I mean, like, anyone hear of any of these days before? <laughs> they all became big money players and Jim really built them from the ground up. MLW Fury Road taking place Saturday, June 1st at the Waukesha Expo Center right outside of Milwaukee. Uh, again, go to MLWTickets.com for your tickets and your information. And don't forget BN Sports. You can watch MLW on BN Sports 8 o'clock Central Time, uh, again, in the USA and Canada. And also for our listeners in UK and Ireland, you can watch MLW on free sports. Okay, so... As we do our lights out segment here, um, I'm always trying to pry and try to get information from you. So give us give us a little kernel, give us a little something, Court, that uh, has not been out there for public consumption. Give us something exclusive for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'll give you I'll give you two for Tuesday. Okay. Two exclusives for you. Number one, uh, we just signed Ray Horace from Tijuana to wrestle Myron Reed in Waukesha on June first. Part of our live network special. That's going to be a high flying match. I think it's going to be a really good match, first time ever. And then for you guys out in Chicago, July 6th, this is an exclusive here, breaking on your show. 
Dr. Wagner and his son, Ijo de Dr. Wagner Jr., will officially make their MLW debut at Cicero Stadium July 6th. And that will be a big show. Tickets are on sale now for that as well at MLWTickets.com. So you're going to see some Lucha legends, Lucha royalty out there July 6th in Chicago. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> now now you've stepped up your game even more so now. It's it's already going to be a hot crowd, but now the Wagners are in. Okay, now we got something cooking here for, for Chicago at the Cicero Stadium. Oh, 100%. That's going to, I mean, Cicero Stadium is going to be guaranteed sellout. We're going for the three team. We're not messing around. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Court, as always, I, I appreciate you coming on. And, again, we just know that uh, Waukesha is so close to the Chicagoland area. We know that Chicago fans will try to take the tickets away from Milwaukee fans, just like Cub fans do to Brewers fans, by the way. When the Cubs when, when the Cubs go to Milwaukee to see the Cubs-Brewers, Cub fans take all the tickets away from Milwaukee fans, and they get pissed off. And so we're hoping the same thing for Chicagoland area fans to make that drive to Waukesha to see MLW Fury Road on Saturday, June 1st. And don't forget, if it's sold out and you can't get there, there's going to be a big show that we'll talk about pretty soon here at Cicero Stadium. And, of course, Cicero Stadium, Chicago, really the home of MLW, right, Court? I mean, really is. It's really the home of your company. Man, that's why we're doing Milwaukee. That's why we're going to be trying to do more in the Chicago, Wisconsin area. You know, we see a lot of fans down with the product, so we're going to give you more. And, uh, Chicago's in for a very big, very big year for if you're an MLW fan. I wish I could say more, but the ink isn't on the contract yet. Stay tuned. There's some big stuff coming up on the horizon for you guys. Court, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Take care, guys. Great to hear from Court Bauer. The MLW CEO, always great to have him on. And just like we're seeing with other wrestling companies across the country, around the world, they want to give the audience something different, something new. And so I'm always going to support you know, Court Bauer, MLW, what's happening in AEW, what's happening with the NWA and Dave Lagana and so many others. They're trying to provide you and I, the wrestling fans, something new. Glad you're with me here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. Hey, uh, before I go into Money in the Bank, let me just tell you that you can find Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday not just on SoundCloud. You can find it on Apple Podcasts as well. What I decided to do is have a separate feed for just wrestling only. I know a lot of you listen to the Under the Hood podcast, and I appreciate it, but there's a separate feed now through Spotify, through Stitcher, through SoundCloud, as well as now Apple Podcasts, where you can find Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, nothing but wrestling content. It's all there for you on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Subscribe, download, tell people about it. If you have a someone that is a wrestling fan that enjoys wrestling content, I got it for you. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on the Under the Hood podcast. Okay, so money in the bank. Um, <laughs> so... If you really did not like the idea that uh, Brock Lesnar is part of the WWE again, well, here he is. He has the money in the bank briefcase. It was a good surprise. And one thing I will tell you about professional wrestling, that it's always good to have something that is a surprise. Now, of course, you'd like to have something different as a surprise for some of you. But here he is, Brock Lesnar. 
Vince McMahon loves Brock Lesnar. There really is no end game for him in the UFC, so he comes back to the WWE and he surprised and stunned fans by winning the Money in the Bank ladder match uh, at the XL Center in Hartford. And <laughs> I know for some wrestling fans, it's like, oh no, not this again. No, not this guy. Is he going to be able to take the WWE Championship away from Kofi Kingston? Is he going to take the championship away, the universal title away from Seth Rollins? I know I don't want to see that because we've seen that. Brock Lesnar actually is so powerful, he doesn't need a championship. I think he's fine as just a monster just suplexing the hell out of everybody. That's just me. Um, so Brock Lesnar defeating... Ali and Andrade and Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre and Finn Balor, Randy Orton, Ricochet all had an opportunity. But here comes that shocking conclusion. Brock Lesnar coming down the ramp and he climbs the ladder and gets the briefcase and he catches in just like that. So it's compelling. It's different. Uh, that's for sure. Because I don't think he's ever won Money in the Bank before. So he's all, by the way, he's also booked for that Saudi Arabia show. So he's going to be part of that as well, so no surprise. Brock Lesnar is back. Kofi Kingston takes on Kevin Owens. I thought it was a very good matchup uh, against Kevin Owens. Um, I think that the timing, the in-ring execution was pretty good, uh, and I thought that you know Kofi Kingston needs to be able to get that title hot. You know, It's one thing to put a championship on someone, but if the title's not hot, then it doesn't matter. Kofi Kingston should be recognized as the world's heavyweight champion, and he needs to be able to be in bigger programs. He needs to be able to main event some of these um, shows as well for him to be the must-watch. Kofi Kingston's he has battled for a long time in the WWE, getting trying to get an opportunity. He was under the radar for so long, for about, I'd say, 10, 11 years. But it's not going to be something... That is going to work unless he gets that title hot, unless you put him in main event spots. We'll keep our eyes on that. I thought that Seth Rollins and AJ Styles probably stole the show. I just thought that that match for the Universal Championship is as good as I thought it was going to be. The, uh, the timing, the innovation from both of these guys, I just thought that for a WWE-style match, I just think that they were able to break through the glass ceiling of that and just bring their best. And I thought that that was... Really, really well done. Uh, I saw Roman Reigns defeat Elias, but what a <laughs> what a waste of time, right? This that's popcorn stuff, right? They go and go to the bathroom, you get a piss, you um, you know, you get a popcorn, you uh, check your phone. That's kind of the, the thing that you look at with uh, Elias. He's up there and he's strumming that guitar. It's a bit that has gone on way too long. I think Elias actually has uh, some some wrestling ability, but we haven't seen it. He looks like if Hercules Hernandez and Randy Savage could procreate, they'd make Elias. <laughs> Seriously, if you that beard, those piercing eyes from Elias, I mean, and he's got a, a great gift to gab, obviously, but you know, being in these squash matches with Roman Reigns doesn't do anything for him. All I know is that he can do a strum of guitar. I think it can work, but I, we'll never know if he can work, if he continues to do the same thing over and over again. Again, just typical WWE just doing the same things over and over again. The SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte defeating Becky Lynch. Ba Bailey catches in on Charlotte to win the title. That was great. That was one of the best things on that card. The, the idea that you're watching the show 
and you're watching Lacey Evans give her best against Becky Lynch, which it's you know what it, it really surprised me how good Becky Lynch was um, against Lacey Evans and vice versa. I thought that that matchup was very very good. Uh, this the psychology of Charlotte Flair coming down saying, "Oh no no Becky Lynch, I know you just had that hard match with Lacey Evans, but here I come." And so it's Charlotte Flair against Becky Lynch. Charlotte Flair wins because of the Lacey Evans interference. Then Bailey cashes in. Bailey is as should have been coming out of NXT, the female John Cena. I don't know what took so long for the writers and Vince McMahon to realize that Bailey was the it factor. She was it in NXT because as a babyface, it's so hard to be a purebred white meat babyface in wrestling today in 2019. Bailey is it. And then she had to go through some kind of heel turn and go through bad programs and have the tag team championships and not have the tag team championships. It's just so ridiculous. Bailey is John Cena in that company if they give her the opportunity and so um so i enjoyed that i thought that tony niece and davari put on a heck of a match uh and i and there's a disconnect with the crowd there because they're not watching 205 live enough to understand how good that match was i thought that davari was good but i thought tony niece was excellent and i thought the cruiserweight championship match uh was very good um and just the action that you see from them was just great. So I, I enjoyed that, despite the crowd in Hartford not understanding it. And you can understand, that seems like a cold match to them. I'm sure they looked at it as like, well, who are these two? You know, especially for those that are not watching 205 Live every week. Shane McMahon against The Miz, a steel cage match. I thought that, that uh, McMahon took some hard bumps in that one. Um, didn't think that the finish would be that... You know, Miz tries to hold on to Shane, making sure that he doesn't leave the cage and he drops all the way to the floor without his uh, without his jersey. So a shirtless, a jerseyless Shane McMahon is able to win that one. Uh, I like the baby face fire from Miz. I think that uh, that he has shown range because he's been a heel for so long. And I think that um, him being a baby face, I think that that works for him because it's something different, something new. And so I, I thought that that match was pretty good. How about Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio? Again, this the WrestleMania match was one minute long. This match was what? No more than two minutes? Three minutes long? It's interesting. Um, but Rey Mysterio becomes the United States Heavyweight Champion. He's never been a champion before. This could be a long-range feud. I could see how this could be something that we could see for a long time uh, between these two. So I I like that as a long-term feud. We'll keep our eyes on that. And, of course, the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, Bailey defeating Carmella, Dana Brooke, Ember Moon. Big fan of Ember Moon. I think that, uh, that she, we haven't even seen the best from her just as of yet. Naomi, Natalia, who's always just... She's a Hall of Famer right now. Um, I just, it's just the way that the WWE is set up that you could just never supersede someone else in that locker room and just break out and just be great. Um, and I think Natalia, given the opportunity, can have a long run of at a, one of these championships and just be great at it. And they just, the company just won't allow that to happen. You have a championship for a few months, give it to someone else, give the championship 
to someone else, then give it to someone else, then give someone else. It's just like the, the championships are cold. And that's unfortunate. And the kickoff show, because it's deserved, Daniel Bryan and Rowan on the kickoff show against the Usos. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Three hours and 30 minutes of pretty good uh, Money in the Bank wrestling from Hartford. That was about a, I'd say, three and a half out of five stars I would give Money in the Bank uh, for the action. Uh, not a lot to complain about, actually, with this particular show, because I think that it moved pretty well. Again, I didn't was not a big fan of the Elias-Roman Reigns situation. I think that was too short, and I think that the company might be going somewhere with Rey Mysterio and Samoa Joe. I think that that is compelling, but not a lot to complain about. I think it was pretty good. I just, I just think that... You've got to be able to get some of these wrestlers in a position where they're hot and you're starting new feuds, seeing something different. You can see, by the way, the Bruce Pritchard influence on some of this WWE programming from the what's going on now with that Firefly thing that's happening. Oh, my gosh. Some of these vignettes you're seeing, they're so, like... 1989, 1990. It's not a bad thing because it's it's new to a, a, a different audience, uh, but it's uh, you could just tell Bruce Pritchard has his fingerprints on a lot of what's going on here with the WWE. Did you notice a lot of Triple H on um, on the program for Money in the Bank? I thought that that was interesting because you don't see a lot of those. You know vignettes, or you don't see a lot of backstage movement in a lot of these pay-per-views, but you saw a lot of Triple H as if it was Monday Night Raw or if it was SmackDown. So you could see that there's a, some Pritchard influence there on the WWE product. Hopefully, uh, from their standpoint, it will improve. You j- and lastly, I'll just say this. You cannot just rely on, well, we're making billions of dollars and we're going to be making more and more money when the company goes to Saudi Arabia and when we have SummerSlam we're going to make millions and when we go to WrestleMania again in Tampa it's going to be it's not about that yes it's about making money yes but also you want to have a sustainable product that way no one's moving over to AEW and saying oh this is much better oh I'm going to go over to the NWA oh I'm going to go to MLW I'm going to go something because what you want to do is you want to keep the majority of wrestling fans happy and keep them interested by having compelling television. If they don't consider themselves a wrestling company, cool. But you got to have a compelling television product every week. And when you're oversaturated and you're overexposed and you've got a million programs, you got to make it interesting. And so that's what uh, the WWE has to do for the future. Okay, so that's my thoughts on MLW with uh, Court Bauer. Great to have him on. And my thoughts on Money and the Bank. Don't forget, guys. You can follow Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on Twitter at Wrestling TWT. It's brand new. If you're a wrestling fan, it's for you. Wrestling TWT on Twitter. Look for that. It's also a Facebook wall, Facebook.com. If you're a Facebook user, look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday there. I really want to be able to expand this brand even more so than we've ever had. Of course, we've had the radio show for a long time, but I want to make sure that wrestling fans are all under the same tent Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday uh, right here on Apple Podcast, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and it'll be in other uh, places as well where you can find this. But 
go back to the archives, listen to some of the classic interviews I've had, some of the classic conversations I've had about professional wrestling. It's all there for you because if you're a wrestling fan, like I'm a wrestling fan, I'm going to give you something special as often as I can for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. All right, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, I will talk to you next time with another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on the Under the Hood podcast.